everybody, and here we are, week five of the Road to Infinity uh, podcast, our road, hashtag Road to Infinity War challenge that we are doing with hopefully all of you, where we're kind of a companion piece, uh, where we talk about the making of the film, what we loved, what we would have done differently, and try to get back in that mindset of when these films actually came out, because I know in hindsight, everything is different. So we try to avoid that. Um, this is our umpteenth podcast so thank you guys for sticking with us uh there's 17 of these to go we're only at number five so if you hate us already you're really 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 gonna learn how to hate a human by the end of this my name is spencer my name is glenn and let's get started um of course today's podcast is captain america the first avenger which came out in 2011 came out after thor um this was the throwback the prequel to all of them uh sure it's the first captain america movie but it's also technically like the only movie that's a prequel the only movie that doesn't really take place in a chronological order um however as i've explained before i'll explain again the reason why we watch these in the order that they came out is because the end credit scene the final scene of the movie is always to date it's always up to date so no matter how you think you need to place these movies by that final movie it is at the point where it's supposed to be um and of course the phase one is where we see that the most in flux because they really truly didn't know what they were doing it's not to the point of dc where they don't know what they're doing uh it's more of like star wars the new trilogy where they don't know what they're doing that's kind of making up as they go uh actually it's a little bit better than that too uh it's they knew where they wanted to go but they didn't know how these characters would be perceived or reacted to so i believe that they rushed an iron man 2 into phase one just because he was so popular they needed to keep that money momentum going because incredible hulk wasn't too great thor didn't do insanely well and captain america didn't do that great either phase one was really the iron man show which is why he's so prominent uh in their universe because we really owe the success of phase one to robert Downey jr and his interpretation of tony stark but this movie takes it way back to the beginning and gives you so much America that uh, it was destined <laughs> to fail in other countries, especially Germany. All right, so Captain America, First Avenger, um, what we'll do is we'll go over the director and the cast and stuff. Uh, let's give a little synopsis of the story because obviously you've all watched it, so we're not going to go over that too much. It's just Captain America, uh, little bitty Steve Rogers with his big old friend Bucky uh, that's the soldier and he's trying to get into the military, blah, 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 fix some papers, and eventually Stanley Tucci's character, um, Dr. Erskine. Erskine. Uh, he, uh, he tricks the the paperwork so that Steve Rogers can join the military. He proves himself out to be a hero to Haley Otwell's character, Peggy Carter, and Tommy Lee Jones' character, Colonel Phillips. Uh, and, and then he gets chosen for the super soldier program, gets turned to a super soldier, goes on to fight the awesome Hugo Weaving version of Red Skull, uh, who is accompanied by Toby Jones's Dr. Zola, and eventually match, meets up with his... Uh, he, he gets paired up with Howard Stark, played by Dominic Cooper, and his Howling Commandos in all their five minutes of glory uh, with uh, Neil Badanahu, uh Derek Luke, uh, and a few other characters that you may not recognize by the name. Um, 
but uh, and actors as well. But this was a uh, man. This was a solid movie. Um, we had a lot of precursors to to Iron Man. We had a lot of precursors to Shield. We had this is the first movie. This is the Skyward Sword, uh, if I have to throw a gaming reference, of this this series. So it sets the groundwork for everything. Um, oh yeah, you know what I think is cool? The guy that they picked to play Howard kind of resembles Tony a little bit. Him yeah. and RDJ kind of favor, and him and Bucky favor a lot too. It's really weird, but they picked a guy to play uh, young Howard Stark, and uh, you know, even the older the the older gentleman that played him in Part Two. Uh, they actually favor all three actors. Kind of favor, so I think they did pretty good about casting those three particular characters. Well, he's a great actor. All right, um, so uh, Dominic Howard or Dominic Cooper, sorry, uh, Howard Stark. Uh, Dominic Cooper, he would go on to to be in the Agent Carter miniseries, which starred um, Peggy Carter, uh, and it, it it was not well received. So I'm not gonna say much more about that. But uh, he was in several things. Like he did the he was the main bad guy in Need for Speed movie, and he did awesome in that. He uh, but if you we look at when he was cast in this movie, what had he done before then? Well, before the first Avenger, not a whole lot of nothing. He kind of came out of nowhere to be all of a sudden. Wow, what does he get to be compared to? Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Big Shadow to crawl out of. However, he did great. Um, since we're going to go ahead and talk about the cast, let's, let's, let's talk about the cast and I'll finish up with the director because I have a lot more negative to say about the director than I do about the cast. Um, Haley Otwell as Peggy Carter. She was great. I really wanted to like her show, Agent Carter, but they didn't follow their own continuity that they had already set up, so it was a little uh, tough tough to get into that but she had done a lot of tv before this um and she played in, in a couple of little movies but she came out of nowhere and she really she stole a lot of scenes and she was gorgeous and she was super talented and and she was a really good contrast to uh you know two-face i mean colonel uh, colonel chester phillips which is tommy lee jones um, I looked up a little bit of Colonel Chester and stuff. I just looked up some of these characters from the comic book origins just to see if they really matched up. And uh, uh, Captain America's first run, and that was an actual propaganda comic in the early 40s, uh, that wasn't nearly uh, anything like the Cap we have now. Uh, and the origin wasn't there either. They didn't really care about that kind of stuff. Uh, the origin was created by Stan Lee when he took and revived this character. Nope pun intended, uh, in the, in the sixties. Um, Glenn, you know, a little bit more backstory on the comic side. So what, what interesting things happened between that transition? Yeah. The, the, the weird thing about cap cap is the only Avenger that wasn't created by Stanley. Um, you know, in this movie, I guess the biggest thing that I had a problem with was, you know, cap captain America, the first Avenger, which I get where they're going. Um, but he really wasn't the first Avenger uh, in the comics. It was Tony and Hawkeye and all these guys. Um, uh, a lot of differences between this movie and the comics. Cap was never the leader of the Howling Commandos. That was Sergeant Fury. Um, uh, Bucky wasn't the older friend, the stronger friend. Uh, Bucky was basically his Robin. 
Uh, he was just a kid who wore a domino mask. So they really took liberties with the characters. They kind of merged a little bit of everything from the Timely Comics cap all the way through to the Ultimate line. Uh, they just kind of mashed everything together, which worked good for the movie. Uh, if you're going to see it as a Captain America comic book fan, you'll be sorely disappointed. Um, they did throw in a lot of cool Easter eggs in the movie. Uh, in yeah, fact, Howling the, Commandos the, are basically just a glorified Easter egg. I'm, I'm yes. not going to rant about that yet. Very, Yeah, very true. Um, then you've got uh, the Human Torch, the original Human Torch, who wasn't created by Stan Lee. It was an acquisition from Timely Comics. Uh, you get to see his costume uh, at the expo at the beginning of the movie. And he wasn't even a man. He was a robot. Um, the comic book that you see the kids reading after Captain America starts his whole, uh, uh, you know, telling people to buy the war bonds, is that's a reprint of the first issue of Captain America from the Timely Comics. So they really did try to keep a lot of the comic book from the creation all the way through the ultimate line in with this movie. Uh, some of it hit, and some of it was a big mess. Well, um, that that's more background on the Captain America stuff. Going back to the cast, uh, going down uh, Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes. Kind of an unknown being brought into this movie at the time. Of course, everyone now is like, young, yay, young Luke or whatever. But, I mean, he's, he's kind of... Uh, he was kind of unknown back then, and of course Bucky is really the, the role that propelled him up. Um, we also got, uh, of course I already mentioned Hugo Weaving, amazing race, Red Skull. Uh, I just want to mention, uh, at the time, Hugo Weaving is probably the best fan casting that actually came true ever. I'm not sure if anyone was a consensus on the internet for, hey, these, this guy should be this role, and then him actually be that role. So that was pretty great. Um Stanley Tucci as Dr. Erskine, uh, great. He actually accepted the role purely because he wanted to try out his German accent. Um, yeah. Um, Toby Jones as Dr. Zola. Toby Jones is an incredible actor. That was a really good pull uh, for them to get him as Dr. Zola, and he pulled it off really, really well. And he has he, He's done two biopics that are really phenomenal. He did one based on, Capote. at the same time, yes, Capote. And then he did another one. Uh, called uh, The Girls. I think that's the title of it. Uh, he played Alfred Hitchcock. And if you really want to watch him and his acting chops, wow. He's Fantastic a solid actor. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I really liked him in the uh, Capote movie because I thought that it was he was better than S Philip Seymour Hoffman. But Philip Seymour Hoffman obviously was a huge star, so he got most of the credit. Um, and then, of, of course, you get a little bit of Nick Fury at the end of this movie. Uh, Neil Badano, um he was Dum Dum Duggan, and yeah, he was. They really cut the. I hate talking about the Howling Commandos in this movie because they really cut them out. Um, Derek Luke, uh, of course, a, a relatively unknown. Unlike Neil McDonough, uh, he played Gabe Jones. Gabe Jones is a very important Howling Commando. He's the one that put together the Howling Commandos in the comics. Um, so it's, I'm glad that he got somewhat representation here. I wish any of them would have gotten more representation, so whatever. Um, but anyway, of course, our leading man, Captain America, Steve Rogers, Chris Evans. Now, you think, I can't see anyone else in this role of Captain America than Chris Evans. Chris Evans is real-life Captain America. Well, you'd be wrong, because he turned down this role three times. 
It took Robert Downey Jr. personally talking them into this role to take it. And at the time they were casting, there was like when they first started talking about this, not first first, because actually, um, I'm I'm probably gonna get into the more the behind the scenes stuff now, because uh, Captain America. I mean, Chris Evans just leave, leads me into that discussion. But this movie first started development in '96. Not realistically until 06, really, when they really started getting their ducks in a row. And then Favreau was offered the role, I mean, the movie, and he was going to turn into a buddy cop kind of movie. And then he decided, nah, I'm going to do Iron Man instead. Thank God, because I didn't want to see Cap be a buddy cop movie. Uh, <laughs> I could imagine Cap not being the serious movies of the bunch, because he is. He's the, you know, he's the real movie movie series of the superhero movies. Um, and I'm so happy for it. Uh, but they, they actually, to get this film, keep it going, they had to make a deal with the Writers Guild because it was during the strike that they actually had all their parts really moving in this one. Um, they had a script written in 06 by David Self, who if you may not recognize his name, but he actually wrote The Born, Born Identity in other movies. And then uh, he wrote The Wolfman. The Wolfman was directed by Joe Johnston, who would eventually direct this movie, Captain America, First Adventure. Something must have went down there because Johnston hired the Chronicles of Narnia writers, Stephen McFeely and Christopher Marcus, to replace David Self and rewrite the movie. And they would actually go on to write all three Captain America movies, Thor 2, Infinity War, and Infinity War sequel. And then that's when we get to actual casting of the movie. And for Captain America, there was early talks for like Sam Worthington or Will Smith. Now, Will Smith would have been just fine. Uh, if they want to take that alternate route where they were taking um, like people against their will, black people that didn't have full rights back then, and making them take these these different variations, and and it would have taken Captain America down a different road completely. But I would have totally been fine with that. Uh, but then they moved on to a different style, and Sam Worthington, Will Smith were out of the running. Sam Worthington's obviously white, but he obviously had a boosted. Um, career at the time because of the Terminator movie, because of um... what is that movie where he fought the gods? Uh, Clash of Titans. Clash of the Titans, that's right. And uh, But they moved on, and they were like maybe Channing Tatum, maybe Sebastian Stan, who would go on to be Bucky, maybe Chris Evans, maybe John Krasinski, maybe Chad Michael Murray, God, uh, maybe Michael <laughs> Cassidy, Maybe Jensen Ackles. Maybe Ryan Felipe or Alexander Skarsgård. And um, that none of those really panned out except for Chris Evans. And they actually didn't make Chris audition. Chris Evans is the... Not Robert Downey Jr. or anyone else. Chris Evans is the only man uh, in the Marvel cast who didn't have to audition because they wanted him that bad. He was on their list and they just really, really wanted him. I'm uh, glad they got him because he, he... You know, I'm not going to crap on his Johnny storm because I thought he was fine. I mean, for what he was given, he made chicken salad out of chicken shit. And I, and I really enjoyed that. But to me, oh, yeah. even in everything that he's done, he always has that, uh, homegrown apple pie baseball feel to him in his movies. Even the stupid comedy is not another teen movie. He still felt like the, all-star American boy, he, you know. He is America. Um, well, uh, Robert Downey Jr. actually convinced him on to sign after the, he declined Marvel three times, uh, and I already mentioned that. Um, but 
then they moved on to the making of the movie. They had their cast in a row. They they kept getting pieces together. And we've talked about Iron Man 2 and how much of a cluster that was, where they were rewriting stuff until the final day of principal photography. And then you move on to Thor, where there's not a lot to talk about, because they just had a really smooth production. They knew what they were doing, and their actors were good. No one had issues. And then you move on to uh, Winter Soldier, and you didn't have issues once you were filming, but damn if they didn't rewrite and cut out a bunch of stuff. And Joe Johnston, he had two really... Really, really, really weird philosophies. Uh, one was let's throw all these different things on the board and then see what we can afford. And then he didn't think about time uh, as much as he thought about money, which comes from his lack of, I guess, experience with big budget like management. It's one thing to be on crew with a bunch of big budget movies, but when you don't have big budgets that you're normally working with, you kind of forget that time is, is your most invaluable resource. And he kept having to cut stuff for time. And I'm like, where did you really cut? Because uh, you cut out all, I mean, like, what time were you trying to save? Because you cut out the Howling Commandos. This movie is not really long, and there's a lot of, of filler and elongated sequences, kind of like in Iron Man 2. And he wound up just, I guess, hey, let's sacrifice the relationship between Cap and Bucky and the Howling Commandos, I guess. And that's kind of frustrating because of the way they were doing setting up this universe. You knew there was no way they could ever bring back the Howling Commandos in any capacity. And Dum Dum Duggan has been so important in so many big storylines uh, for years, up until today. Like, he's still really important. Of course, yeah. you know, today's Dum Dum Duggan is an LMD, but, you know, we won't get into that. But I, I really don't like his background, and everyone loves I love Jurassic Park series, and Jurassic Park 1 is one of my top three favorite movies of all time, and this monster made Jurassic Park 3, and then, you know, uh, they were like, uh, Hollywood sat around, do we need to get this guy a shot? They're like, sure, and they gave him Hidalgo, and they're like, oh, fuck. I'm like, do we give this guy another shot? And they're like, sure. And then he makes the Wolfman. And the Wolfman was fine. Um, it, was, it wasn't it was bad. But you kind of can't really screw up that movie because it's a universal monster movie. I mean, you can. Look at Dracula Untold. But uh, they, it wasn't successful. So I don't know what led to Marvel thinking Captain America First Avenger. Sure, this is totally a Joe Johnston project because he was a stunt coordinator on Return of the Jedi and he was an art director on Indiana Jones and in, not even all of them one of the Indiana Jones movies I'm like I don't know if I want Captain America the First Avenger to be like you know the page master or the rocketeer well I, you, I think that's why he got the role uh, 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 I think that's why he got the job because of the rocketeer if you go back and you watch that it was set back in the same time area you know same time period and you had the whole um, big American going to fight somebody and Billy Campbell playing the Rocketeer and um, all that other good stuff. So I think that's what pushed him in that way. Jumanji helped, I think. But really, those are the only two movies that, other than The Wolfman, that I think you could really give him good credit for. And I mean, Jumanji, Robin Williams made that movie. And no, I mean, there's no other way that you can you can play that. And The Rocketeer, it was what it was. I mean, it was 1991, and it, we finally get to see a quote-unquote superhero. Yeah, and, well, okay, so let me just talk about a few things that, that happened in the movie that wound up getting cut. 
Um, besides, you know, coming off the Chris Evans, which, by the way, this was Chris Evans' seventh comic book movie. If you count yeah. Fantastic Four, its sequel, Push, The Loser, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, and T- TMNT, this is his seventh movie in the comic book world. He is totally a nerd. But um, now we're moving on and throwing a bunch of hate on Joe Johnston. At least I am. Uh, he... <laughs> He went up. He planned, and I'm not sure why he planned this. You had to have known there was issues, but he planned unnamed cameos for Magneto and Wolverine. Magneto in a concentration camp, and Wolverine being the soldier. Uh, yeah. And then they's like, "You gotta scrap that." And uh, same way with a. Uh, it's, it's the same reason why the shield became just vibranium and not a mixture with adamantium because of the licensing issue. But why even bring that up? But then he also wound up cutting out Baron Zemo and Von Strucker. Um, which I think was stupid. That would This would have been the good time to introduce them, even if it was just for like two or three minutes of screen time because it would have set up for uh, Avengers 2. Well, I mean, how would they live through all that? Like, you've got too many people time traveling at that point. Uh, so I understand later on what happens, but also at the same time, I mean, that that had he had no effect on the later movies. He just cut them for time. Like he wasn't like I'm going to cut them, but later Von Strucker is going to create these mutants that we can't call mutants, and Baron Zemo is going to make Cap and Iron Man fight over their mamas. Like. He didn't think that out. Like, that wasn't his thought process. They just cut them. Of course, the same writers who had to cut them wind up adding them into the movies later that they wanted to. Um, but they also had a cameo for, and this is what I'm really pissed about, name one of the Submariner, but they didn't use it. Yeah. And this wasn't a licensing issue. They actually had the rights when this movie was being written to use Namor, but they didn't. They, you know, Namor would have been perfect. And I, I, I'm i not taking anything away from Hugo Weaving. I thought he was fantastic as a Red Skull. But for some reason, after watching him play in the Lord of the Ring movies and seeing those pointy ears and just wow. his jaw, I, he would be perfect for Namor. I just, oh, anyway, I digress. <laughs> well, I mean, it would have been nice just to have Namor in there, even just a cameo, because First off, he's an Atlantean. You can use him whenever you want. He's immortal, basically. Um, or at least he has everlasting youth. Uh, but they already had the original um, Human Torch cameo in there. So yeah. you would have had the original three timely comic superheroes, Captain America, Namor cameo, and the Human Torch, OG Human Torch, the Android version. And uh, you would have had them all in the same movie. That would have been cool. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, th- the Howling Commandos, um, several villains being cut. Uh, there's a lot of changes with this movie that were really frustrating, but I still loved the movie and how they portrayed Captain America, and I think a lot of people did, but the trailers didn't seem appealing, I guess, or people didn't really get Captain America, because throughout the 90s, maybe the 80s, but throughout the 90s and the 2000s, people that liked comic book movies or comic books... Uh, really, the popularity really stemmed from cartoons and toys, and you didn't really have anything for Cap. Now he's like the most sold anywhere. Like everyone wants a Cap shield. Everyone, you know, Cap, Cap, Cap. But uh, back then there was nothing for him. You could say the same about Iron Man too. But at least Iron Man got his own cartoon. Captain America got like one storyline in the X Men cartoon, and I think that was it. Well, up until this point, 
this is actually the fourth time that we've seen a live action Captain America. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh. The first, the first two were a made for TV movie, Cap- Captain America, and then Captain America to Death Too Soon. Now, what's funny is, um, Reb, I think his last name is Johnson. Let me make sure. Yeah, um, he decided uh, Reb Brown. Um, he actually contacted Marvel and Disney and was like, hey, if you would like me to, I'd be more than happy to make a cameo role. You could put me in as one of the soldiers. I would I would just love to make a cameo role. The same with the actor from uh, the movie that was made in 1990. He came out and said, hey, if you'd like me in there as a soldier, I would love – Matt Salinger, I would love to just be a cameo. Both of these completely sucked. Red Brown was an Australian actor. Matt Salinger was so awkward that, um, and the costume was so bad when they, dude, when he put on the Captain America costume, the ears were fake. Wow. They didn't even cut holes to put his real ears through. They were giant rubber ears. That's awful. (laughs) And I have all them on DVD. (laughs) Gross. Um, well, anyway, uh, they did have some throwbacks, and Red Brown's his his actual cameo will come back later on in a uh, in a in a segment we have about Stanley's cameos, which is on every podcast because he's always got a cameo. But actually, someone who didn't have a cameo was Joe Simon, the original creator of Captain America. He was still alive. He was asked to do a do a cameo, but he declined. There was no real reason. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, Stan Lee actually had nothing to do with this um, with this combo character, but he still had a cameo. But it's just, I guess it just became like, all right, let's have a cameo here for him. And even though he had nothing to do with this character, um, one thing before we get into our three favorite scenes and stuff, a couple more things. Uh, the shots for uh, Captain America, uh, Chris Evans, uh, when he was smallish, where they were, I believe you said they were done by the same company that did the Benjamin Button stuff. Actually, that is wrong. Eighty um, yes. Uh, at first, I had read something where it was the same same computer program that did that. Chris Evans actually came out and said that it's about eighty percent of him. Um, Any time well, that you see him moving, it's him. They just scaled his body down. Well, but if he's the, standing, uh, the the technique actually, I've I've looked at the technique. Um, it's like they shot each skinny scene four times. One, yeah. like a normal scene with Chris and his actors on the scene. One with Chris alone in front of the green screen so they could uh, he could be reduced digitally. Uh, again, with everyone in the scene but with Chris absent so that the shrunken Steve could be reinserted. And then they did it with the small guy that would be playing Chris. And when Chris was in the scene with them, they'd have X's put like in like certain spots so he could look like at the forehead or whatever so they could track his eyes properly. Yep. The, when you see him sitting still, like in the car with uh, with Atwell or um, with Tommy Lee Jones, or if he's just standing at attention, that's a skinny actor with Chris's head. But anytime yeah. you see the movement, like when he jumps on the grenade or he's uh, doing the fight in the alley with the trash can lid, that's all Chris. But they used uh, really cool technique, like you just explained, to get him to look so small. And he is creepy looking. Yeah. Yeah, but it's pretty great how they made him so small, and then, uh, um, yeah, that 
that was just awesome. Uh, now this movie, uh, really, really weak outing. Not as weak as the Incredible Hulk, but this one did 370 at box office. It had a budget of under 150 million, so it more than doubled its money. And you have to count that. Hey, these foreign countries really don't care about seeing Star Spangled Banner Man uh, fight evil red Nazi. So they're just kind of over it. They didn't want to do it. Um, but more importantly, this was Paramount's final distribution. Uh, Avengers and Iron Man 3 would be bought out and distributed by Marvel and eventually I think 2013 or 2014 all the residual rights and, and f further distribution of these Marvel movies uh, were bought out by Marvel that's why you saw you may have seen different cover changes uh, they did that because they had full rights to distribute these movies however they wanted to what do you think? Yes, I think it works. Okay, so we had a lot to say about the making of this movie because it's very interesting. It's really unique. It's the most unique in the Marvel Universe, but it's also, you know, it kind of got that first Marvel feel to a movie, to me anyway. But we're going to get into our three favorite scenes for Captain America the First Avenger. Glenn, what are your three favorite scenes from this movie? Uh, Well, my third favorite scene would have to be... Uh, the rescuing of the commandos um, from 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 captivity. I thought that uh, it was filmed very well. I think that that, oh, yeah. that that moment right there is where he was able to prove to all the soldiers that he's not just a show pony for war bonds, that when he got into the military, he got into it to fight and defend America. Um, yeah. And that also proved to Tommy Lee Jones that he's not just a one-trick pony. Yeah. Um, and it was, I mean, it was fluid too, because you could actually, uh, and it, you know, you could use, you, you, there were instances where Cap actually hit the ground. He just didn't go running through all their, you know, shield flinging all over the place and he didn't go without a scratch. No, he got hit, he fell, but he got right back up and kept fighting. And I really liked the way that it was a fluid, it felt like a one shot. I know it wasn't, but it felt like it just flowed very smooth and then culminating in him finally finding Bucky. Um, I, you know, I think that that was just uh, so cool, so very well done, and the choreography and the fight scene, the whole thing was just amazing. Yeah. Um, my second one has to be the train fight. Uh, the oh. whole zip lining onto the train and him fighting the uh, the two Hydra agents, and, and holy crap, that scene was just awesome. Um, uh, watching the Howling Commandos work together, um it was kind of weird because knowing being a comic fan, knowing Cap didn't lead the Howling Commandos, it was like, man, I really wish that Nick Fury, would, you know. But anyway, I digress. But uh, well, he couldn't whole... have because he, the timeline would have been all off. Exactly. That's like what he would have been eighty years mash. old, and it's like, okay, Samuel Jackson doesn't age, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> Very true. Uh, but the the fight on that train, culminating in uh, what we would assumed to believe is Bucky's death and the the hurt and anguish you see on Cap's face and you see how pissed off he gets and then of course they get to the uh, they get Zola in front of the you know in the interrogation room and Tommy Lee Jones sets down and he's like uh, oh and just one other thing um, I sent this letter 
You think it's going to be decrypted? You think it's going to be they're going to figure out what you did? Because I told him that you gave us everything. Oh, and you killed his best friend, and he's not really too happy about that. Yeah. Um, and it was like, oh, damn, 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 damn. Uh, but I had to say for me, the best scene in the movie is when he becomes Captain America, when he is standing in boot camp and they throw the dummy grenade and he jumps on it because all the other, all the other soldiers scatter. And here it is, this scrawny kid from Brooklyn diving on this grenade and he, you know, get out of here, get away. And nothing happens. And that right there tells Tommy Lee Jones, hot damn, I've got a soldier on my hands. He's so skinny. Yeah, he's still skinny. I love it because he can't admit that he was wrong. And yeah. you just see the smile come across uh, uh, Erskine's face. He's like, yeah, I got you now, men yeah. in black. I'll show you. But you, to me, that right there was – you You look at how he was bullied and everything else, and you hear about how sickly he was, and then you see this right here. Like he fought real hard to get into the military, and then this one thing happens, and he was ready to give his life for everybody right there in basic training. Yeah. I mean that right there, that he became Captain America right then. Yep. Um that's a really good list and pretty similar to mine, but I'm going to go ahead and jump <laughs> in on mine. Uh, my third favorite scene was uh, actually the end when Cap sacrifices himself to save the world. Um, him and Peggy's dialogue and, you know, uh, talking about the dance. All movie, even when he was skinny, he was talking about uh, he didn't care about dancing because he, uh, he was just rather wait for the right partner. And then, uh, you know, they just kept talking about dances and then it gets to the end and... They're talking about it, and she'll save him a dance, and um, then he gets frozen, and then of course we see the scene later. Nick Fury and and he's uh, Nick Fury's like you've been asleep for seventy years, Cap, and uh, you know he's just like I had a date. He just looks yeah. away, and it's like a sad, somber note at the end too. And I'm like, wow, that was that is rough because he's such a humble, likable character that you really don't want anything bad to happen to Cap. Um, and he's the most... He's not by the book Boy Scout, but he's he's a Boy Scout, so he's he's just likable. And, you know, he, he, he's Captain America. He is their moral high ground uh, for the Avengers. Uh, number two favorite scene is the musical number for Captain America oh, yeah. that ties in his fiction with our reality and uh, really shows him as a... As this, he's basically just a, a war bond salesman, but he's like the face of the war. Um, and one interesting part of that scene is there's a girl that comes up for his autograph and to meet him. And that girl winds up being cast in a later movie, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, playing, playing Peter Quill's mom. Oh, she really? Plays in one and two, yeah. If you go and you just search that actress's name and you search Captain America, so the actress's name and Captain America, you'll pull up a GIF and pictures of her from uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, so that's really neat. That's neat that, that apparently someone at Marvel liked her enough that they wanted to cast her in another role that would have been more substantial. And definitely more substantial in the sequel in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, in my first favorite number one favorite scene is when Cap jumps on the grenade uh, 
However, I liked it for a different reason than you liked it. It did create this Captain America, but we kind of knew that with his, you know, his test from Erskine. Is this a test? Yes. I don't like bullies. That is what I thought. Okay, he's Captain America. He doesn't want to kill people. He wants to stop bullies. What's great about this scene is it does create Captain America, but if you watch it, Peggy Carter is running for the grenade at the same time. She was going to do the exact same thing. Peggy Carter was going to sacrifice herself. She could have easily been Captain America. If they had done those tests on women, she would have been your number one choice. And she's smarter, so maybe she would have been better. But uh, she was going to... She is Captain America. She... They're, they're so much alike. That's why they're they're great together is because they're, they're so much for fighting for the people. And it, it when you realize how similar they are, how much she likes them, and how much she sees from him and what she wants from someone else and it's just so sad when he oh man so sad that ending but um yeah that's that's those are my three favorite scenes from captain america first avenger he's still skinny and now on to our next segment on from our three favorite scenes to stuff we would have done differently um let me just throw a couple of things out there um Mine would have been more Howling Commandos, less montages, and a different director entirely than Joe Johnston. That's it. That's all I need. Those are my things I would have done differently. Glenn, what would you have done differently? You know, uh, my number one was your number one, more Howling Commandos. Um, I thought that they got shortchanged because they are very prevalent and very important to the MCU. And these guys... um, I mean, these the Howling Commandos end up being the Navy SEALs of S.H.I.E.L.D. This was the the, the cream of the crop, and I felt like they got shortchanged. Um, I wanted, I also would have liked more of Cap and Bucky. Um, yes. Not necessarily, uh, you know, during the war, after the rescue, I wanted more of Cap and Bucky as he was trying to become Cap. I wish they would have... Um, their paths would have crossed a little bit more during his basic training or, you know, during the, when he was the war bonds spokesperson just, I wanted more of that, uh, uh, storyline because it was really prevalent. And when cap, when Bucky dies in the comics, it affected captain America greatly. And then when the winter soldier came out, uh, in the comics, the effect on cap was the complete opposite of when he died. Um, he was shocked. He was, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to help his friend. And we see that later on in the MCU as well. Um, but, uh, I wanted to see more of those two things. And again, the villain gets killed off too soon. So which villain get killed off? Well, it's assumed that the red skull is either dead and or missing. We don't know what's happened to him. Zola. We know his body dies. Well, Zola, they don't show him dying, so it's fine because it's like, okay, well, he goes on to be a part of the founding members of S.H.I.E.L.D. and work in their science division, and the whole time he was secretly creating Hydra from the inside of S.H.I.E.L.D., which, okay, that's that's where we go with Winter Soldier. And um, with Red Skull, it's still not quite sure where he's at, what he's doing, if he just got sucked up into Infinity. you You don't know. I wish they would at least get Hugo Weaving to accept to come back just to get killed off the right way. Could you imagine Cap of today fighting Hugo Weaving's Red Skull and Hugo, like Red Skull has to be like, what happened? 
yeah, what happened awesome. to my world. And uh, like he doesn't react with like confusion. He reacts with anger compared to Cap's reaction to the new world. Um, but, uh, I mean, <sighs> they were in a no-win situation because you're creating a one-off because it's 70 years in the past compared to the Avengers. So, you know, kind of a, eh, everyone has to be throwaway, but that means you have to take and, and make more time for those people. So Peggy Carter, they gave her enough time. Cool. Uh, Bucky and Cap's relationship, they did not. I'll agree with you there. And I count him in the Cal and Commandos. They didn't give enough screen time and enough, like, just camaraderie and, and working together and, and cool battle scenes. I'm like, dude, Joe Johnston, you got Steven Spielberg's number on speed dial. Just, like, hit him up and say, hey, man, if you were doing Captain America, what's a big battle that you would do? Give me one big battle scene. That'd be really cool. Like, them overcoming the odds. Kind of like what Wonder Woman had when they went through that, uh, the, the, the area where no man shall pass kind of thing. Yeah. Give me one of those, but with Cap. Like, I don't need a montage of all of the, their doings. I want to see them all in their strengths. Like, I never once got to see all of them fighting side by side with their strengths. Yeah, the only thing they gave us was Dum Dum yelling Wahoo, which that was the battle cry for uh, the the Howling Commandos. Dum Dum, anytime they would go into the battle, Dum Dum always yelled out Wahoo. They gave us that, and that was about it. But in watching the movie, just as a fan that doesn't know much about Cap, you just see them and a bunch of people escaping, and you're not really sure which ones are important until he picks them. And after he picks them, they go into a montage. And I'm like, didn't you already go into a musical montage earlier? Do you need this montage as well? Yep. Like, there's a couple of scenes that were important, like Peggy seeing uh, her face in his compass or watch or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, those scenes are important, and you can still have those scenes, but you don't have to have a montage. Um, yeah. and, and the way they did their montage, it was so Captain America focused. It's like, Cap's the only one that's guaranteed to be making it to another movie. Come on. I get it. It's his movie. But if you're at least going to do a montage with the whole, all of them fighting, let them all get get an, enough stuff in as a soldier. I don't just need, you know, what's his name, rolling under the the car and throwing a grenade under it. Like, I don't need just one little shot of each. Give me a cool, like, real battle scene. Come on. Yeah. Extend the movie 15 minutes. Give me more Hound Commandos and more Bucky. It just takes 15 minutes. You can save that somewhere. Don't be dick. Yeah. Well, I agree. Um, But anyway, anything else you would have done differently? I think that covers it. No, yeah, I think that's about. I think that about uh, uh, covers all the. I'm just thankful that the Russo brothers came along. Finish your mission, Doctor, before the American finishes his. Now moving on from the favorite things of the movie, the least favorite things. Now we're getting into the nitty gritty, the the hard stuff. Uh, and this movie has more than any movie we've done so far. <laughs> The, the MCU connections. Uh, of course, we'll, in this segment, we'll talk about the end credit stuff, the Stanley cameo. But we are going to go over how this connects to the overall Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU. Uh, because this is the last movie in Phase 1 before the team-up of the Avengers, it's very important that they go ahead and set some groundwork, make some connections. And the fact that this is the only prequel, they, can, they have a lot of liberties to play with. And boy, did they do it. Um... Right out of the gate at the Stark Expo, which we will, we of course saw in, in Iron Man 2, so it was great that we saw it here. Of course, it wasn't called the Stark Expo. He was a young 20, 
21-year-old man. He was he was just a, a, a child genius, a prodigy. So he had a, a big showing at the expo itself. Um, of course, he already had Stark Industries as a company, and he's just showing off uh, the car that flies, which would eventually become Repulsors, and also Lola with Coulson. Um, so that was actually pretty cool. It's like OG Lola. Yep. Um, in that same scene area uh, set, they had the Phineas Horton Synthetic Man, and that was actually the Android Human Torch. Uh, they actually confirmed that cameo because they would never use that character because obviously that was an adopted Human Torch they got from uh, buying out, was it Timely Comics? Timely Comics, yep. Uh, yep, and uh, they have their own version of Human Torch, and that is just a cluster and a half they don't want to deal with, so they just left out. Uh they're going to always, forever, leave out the Android version version of the Human Torch, uh, unless that's what they decide to change the Fantastic Four, uh, Fantastic Four Turning Storm to. But whatever. As of this movie being made, uh, they knew they couldn't use Fantastic Four's Human Torch, and they weren't going to make their own, so they just threw him in there. But that was really awesome to see. Uh, just little homages are awesome to see. Um, you can tell Howard's work would derive from the Hydratech and the Tesseract advancements because throughout the movie you saw like the the noises that it would make using the power of the Tesseract. The noises yeah. these these machines would make was a, it sounded just like Tony's stuff. Um, I thought it was cool that the Tesseract actually was said to have come from tre- Odin's treasure room. No fact behind it. That's just lore. Uh, there's no guarantee that it actually did. But, I mean, Germans have a lot of Norse lore so because uh, they're right there in that area. So, I mean, but the fact that it was hidden behind a world tree, just like the yes. world tree Thor explained to Jane, that was what was really cool. Um and then uh, in the mo- in the scene where the guy was stealing the serum and it was broken, uh, when he killed Doctor uh, Erskine and um, and was running off with the serum so that Red Skull could create his own super soldiers, um, it's broken. However, another showed up in Incredible Hulk to be injected into Emil Blonsky, making him the abomination. Yep. You can even see Vita Ray written on the refrigerated storage container. And yep. according to Canon, many attempts were made to replicate the Super Soldier Serum experiment, uh, but for a yet unexplained reason, it only ever worked on Steve Rogers. And then we would see that same blue mess in Captain America Civil War. Uh, it was revealed that several other Super Soldiers were created uh, during the Cold War with a similar-looking similar looking serum that was actually stolen from Howard Stark in his old man phase, actually murdered and stolen. Uh, but the process left them aggressive and impossible to control. So that it was a, most likely another failed experiment. So it's just been 70 years of failed wannabe caps uh, because it was broken, but somehow someone got notes or something. So, um, and then, uh, do you do you remember the scene in Iron Man Two where Tony is going through all of Howard's uh, Howard Stark's his father's uh, paperwork and like schematics and stuff? Yeah. Uh, if you if you go through and watch that again, you pause it. You can see a Tesseract blueprint. Yes. In those sheets, and and that was really neat because you see the Tesseract here. So they actually knew what was going to happen. Maybe they, like they knew at least it would be seen in Captain America: First Avenger, uh, the Tesseract back when they did Iron Man Two. 
Um, and Bucky's experimental stay in Red Skull's prison uh, gave him the ability to survive the fall, later become the Winter Soldier, so we have that tie-in. Uh, Zola had schematics, again, schematics for the robot suit to live longer than his body can, and the writers eventually turned that into the computer monitor kind of screen guy uh, instead of the actual suit. Um, what else was there? Oh, uh, just... Um, Two random, little, little, little random references. Let me just throw them at you real quick. One was because Joe Johnson was the art director of uh, Indiana Jones movie. Um, he made, uh, he wrote in for Red Skull, Hitler searches for trinkets in the desert. Because Indiana Jones, Nazis, <laughs> in the desert. And I was like, okay, I still don't like you, but that was, that was, that was clever. Um... And not only that, but there is a... I'm not sure if this was meant to be a reference later on. It definitely wasn't when it was filmed. But later on, I'm not sure if it was. But behind Nick Fury, at the end, in Times Square, there's a sign. One of those uh, electronic signs that changes and stuff. For Baskin Robbins, behind Nick Fury. And they're the same company that fired Scott Lang when he got out of prison. (laughs) In Ant-Man. And I thought that was the most ridiculous ridiculous like oh man really that's is that did the writer of ant-man like the replacement writer of ant-man decide hey let's make a throwback to this or was it just so happened to be a marketing deal i don't know but if that was a tie-in like callback to what a random ass thing to do well i've got i found another callback that's really more random than that okay uh kenneth choi who played uh, Jim Morita, one of the Howling Commandos? Yeah, the the guy that was uh, where they're stealing them from everywhere. I'm from Fresno, Ace. That guy. Yes, yes. Kenneth Choi also played Principal Morita in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Yes, he did. I noticed him. <laughs> oh my god! Now here's the kicker. Yes, he is a descendant of this Morita. That has been confirmed. Yes, and he is oh. he, supposedly he's an undercover shield agent. Dude, how crazy would that be? <laughs> if in the second Spider-Man movie, they're like, he just shows up and he's like, "Spider-Man, I need you to stop." And he's like, well, "What are you talking about, Principal?" <laughs> it's like, come on, don't be a dick, kid. I mean, that right there was, you know, all the all the trivia that you could find about this is awesome. But when I read that, I'm like, there's no. That's the way. top. That's the best. That's the best. That beats my <laughs> Ant-Man thing. God. <laughs> I thought that was going to be the tough one. Um, But moving on from all the connections to the MCU, uh, that's a great connection. uh, Because um, uh, who was it? Um, I can't remember his name in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But uh, a descendant of Gabe Jones, played by Derek Luke in um, Captain America First Avenger, his descendant, uh, which uh, I hate to have to say it, but he's the black guy of the group. Um, I mean, he... What? He he was that one black guy, and at the time it was really important when Howling Commandos came out that a black guy was leading this group of of, of soldiers because uh, during World War II it wasn't until 1946 that um, African Americans and, and uh, white people could even serve together in the same troops. Uh, they couldn't even fight together because apparently that was okay. It's like we don't need everyone working together, and it was Harry S. Truman that wrote it that they would work together. Well, before that, the Howling Commandos had them working together, and Gabe Jones was the leader of the Howling Commandos. Nick Fury made him the leader and gathered everyone up, and he's the one that brought in Dum Dum Duggan and several other people. And um, he, his grandson, was an agent of Shield, 
and was on the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I think he wound up getting killed off in the second season or third. But uh, yeah. he was there for the whole Hydra twist, and he was a really important part. So, I mean, there's there's that as well. I forgot to, to mention that before we move on. Um, but we will move on, because that's, I believe that's all the MCU connections that we could come up with. If you have any, please tweet at us at Take the Studios. But we'll get into the Stanley cameo where he was uh, some general in the crowd when Cap was being given an award. He no-showed because he was trying to map out the bases from Red Skull. And uh, Stanley says, uh, like a guy comes out there to tell him that. And Stanley looks at the guy that's out there just delivering the message and he's like, I thought he'd be taller. (laughs) Interesting side note about that is the man sitting right beside Stanley in that scene is Reb Brown. Who was Cap in the 70s TV movies. Oh, they suck so bad. Oh, man, they suck so bad. But he was there. He was on screen. He was beside Stan Lee. So Stan Lee's cameo became Red Brown's cameo. He uh, he does have another tie with the MCU. Uh, Well, with Marvel. Red Brown was in a movie called Cage uh, with Lou Ferrigno. (sighs) I (laughs) I don't need these 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 ties okay i got that movie too <laughs> anyway um so so that was stanley's cameo of course he didn't earn this cameo they gave it to him out of pity uh because they figured he'd be dead by now and he's still kicking uh but the end credits uh the end credit scene is uh cap waking up and now times they kind of tried to recreate the old 40s style but they were playing a baseball game and he knew which game it was because he was there and he told the nurse so and then he busted to the wall and then he ran outside into times square probably without shoes again um this time there was a lot more cigarettes on the ground i'm sure and uh he uh, got stopped by Nick Fury, and that's when Nick Fury's like, uh, needs you to save the world, Cap. And then uh, he gets that sad line of, I had a date. Yeah. Uh, still sad. Just saying it out loud makes me get goosebumps. It's so sad. Uh, oh, man. But uh, the that was before the credits roll. If you wait till after the credits, you get a sneak peek, ladies and gentlemen, of this new movie called Avengers. Um <laughs> Because they played the Avengers trailer at the end of the movie. And at the time, it was like, oh, snap, here we go. Like, there was already a better trailer on YouTube. Yes, we were at that point in history where the trailers were, that the really good ones were released on YouTube before you actually had to earn to see them. So we had already seen better the better trailer. But it was there at the end of the movie, and then, boom, you move on. And we have to wait a year for 2012, the year that the Avengers get together. You gonna be okay? Yeah. Yeah, I just... I had a date. And welcome. Thank you for for staying with us this whole time. We're at our final segment now, finally, where we are going to rate this movie, bronze, silver, or gold, because we came to an agreement between me and Glenn there would be no Marvel movie that would actually rank below bronze. Um, So we just have that rank. Uh, rating system, which actually is compared to all movies, not just Marvel movies. Specifically action movies, but if they cross over into different realms, whatever, but I'm mostly comparing this to other action movies. Uh, And then uh, the rating system, where we rate this movie 1 through 17 out of the 17 movies that have come out, because of course Black Panther's not out yet. So, Glenn, the rating Bronze, Silver, or Gold, what do you give Captain America the First Avenger? I, I think this is going to surprise you. 
Okay. I've given Captain America the first Avenger bronze. You're off this podcast. Go away. <laughs> That's awful. Why? Um, there was so much. Not like Iron Man two, which I gave a silver. Yeah. Uh, what the hell, I, Glenn? <laughs> Captain America to me, uh, I think without Chris Evans, they wouldn't have what they had. Um, I think that without showing the dynamic between more dynamic between him and Bucky, uh, by cutting out so much with the Howling Commandos, um, and by not, I mean, just doing not one, but two montages in the film, I think it shortchanged fans a lot. And if you compare it to, uh, you know, what comes after that civil war winter soldier, and you see what kind of storytelling Cap can give. To me, up against it, it just doesn't cut the mustard. Um, not saying that I didn't love the film. I, I loved Captain America. Uh, but it's just, to me, for me, it, it just it fell short. Um, I think the comedic timing and some things in Iron Man 2 is what put it above this. But for me, Cap fell a little bit short. What is your rating for this movie? Or, yeah, ranking for this movie out of 17? Captain America is number 14. Oh, man. All right. Well, obviously, um, I'm the nice one on this panel. Uh, I <laughs> So, here's the conflictions, and here's why it's, it's these are the conflictions uh, between ranking and rating and the differences. Ranking is out of 17, comparing it just to the Marvel movies in its order. Uh, rating is just how I could perceive it with normal uh, other action movies. Now, Iron Man 2, I gave a silver as its uh, rating, just compared to other action movies. It was like, it was as discombobulated as an Expendables movie. Uh, a good Expendables, Expendables movie, which means Expendables... Is it two? Maybe it's one. Can't remember. Uh, they all bleed together. Uh, the I just know it doesn't have Ronda Rousey in it yet. But this this one, <laughs> Captain America, the first Avenger, I rated a gold. Surprising. I know, because I give this movie so much crap because of Joe Johnston. Uh, I rated gold because I've never seen a more likable hero come across actually that likable, and it was fun. It was this. It was this weird point where it became what Marvel movies would be known for later. It's the sorrow meets fun, and it, it really just had that Marvel pacing of a superhero film, except for the two montages, um, which the action montage actually. I mean, we actually see some of that kind of. We see montages later, um, and it could have benefited from an extra. 15 to 30 minutes and maybe sacrifice one of the montages for an actual full on battle scene. Um, but that's just the way it worked. Uh, I rank, I'm ranking it, rating it to gold just based around all other action movies and how I'm, I'm usually that guy that doesn't like the main character. And for this movie to have me like the main character when there's so many other reasons to like it and actors and stuff for me to like. And it's like, I could have easily liked, easily liked Peggy Carter more and watched it the whole time. And just been like, damn it. Damn it, why didn't they just go and make Peggy Carter Captain America somehow? I don't know. Uh, but I gave it a rating of gold. My um, ranking out of 17 movies. Um, oh, man. So this is where it, where it kind of gets confusing how I do stuff. Um, as you remember, uh, I'm going to go to my list. Uh, Iron Man, I've rated 
I ranked it out of 17, number 5. Uh, Incredible Hulk, 15. Iron Man, 2, 17. Cap, First Avenger, rank, uh, ranked 16th for me. Right between Incredible Hulk and Iron Man 2. Um, and that is that is just looking at the Marvel mythos. And really, it probably should have been last because it's so separated. Because it's, it's such a one-off. And I, I have a feeling Captain Marvel is going to be the same way later on uh, yeah. when they give her her movie because it's going to be a prequel and it's going to be so separated. And, I, and if they do the same with Black Widow, maybe it'll be separated. But the universe is so big now, there's way more to play on. Back then, they could only make references to what they knew. So they knew Thor and Iron Man and Incredible Hulk. So they really could only tie into those guys. They didn't know what they are going to do with Ant-Man. They didn't know what they are going to do with Guardians of the Galaxy. They didn't know what they were going to do with Doctor Strange or... Uh, freaking Spider-Man or Black Panther. They didn't know any of this, so they couldn't make references to it. And they were really kind of... They were given the short stick with that. And that is why I give it a rating of 16. That's just comparing it to the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, you know, they did kind of throw in the little tie-in to Black Panther since his shield's made out of vibranium. But I do see what you mean by they don't really mention T'Challa or Wakanda or any of that kind of thing. Well, you just You just have that, okay, so somehow... Howard Stark got a hold of this metal. We don't know how he got it, but he got a hold of this metal to make this shield. And at the same time, I mean, the vibranium it was made like it was made out of that in the comics, and they kind of yeah. had to use vibranium because damn, adamantium was taken up by Fox at the time. So, uh, and just to compare the movies, like, and th- th- believe me, their rankings will get a lot better for me. Uh, this movie made three hundred seventy million at box office. The next movie, Winter Soldier, would make seven hundred fourteen million, and Civil War would make damn one point one five billion dollars at box office. So, I mean, this is the start of a long, great franchise that had true uh, improvements and progression. So, it's not anything against Captain America at all. I love. I think he's my favorite hero in the MCU. However. That first movie that is such a one-off, uh, and then there's so much time now, like 2011, between that and WWE 2, that you were so limited, you couldn't have an established Howard Stark. You had to make him 20 and just hope to God. It's like, okay, so when do we kill him off? The 80s. Okay, how old will they be? Okay, that will make sense. Okay, damn. How old are we making these people? Like, it's just it's distancing itself so much that if they were to wait another ten years for um, the MCU to get off, like if they were to wait till this year to start making Iron Man, then you really list you realistically would have had to have Captain America as a Vietnam soldier, not a WW two soldier, because it just wouldn't none of it would have worked out. Yeah. Oh, so, I agree with you. Those are my ratings. Those are my rankings. Those are our rankings, ratings, what we liked, what we disliked, yeah, la, la, all about Captain America, the first Avenger. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And thank you for coming back every week. If you are, thank you. Uh, you can go back and listen to other ones. And you can actually, man, if you have like 17 hours straight to listen to podcasts, we will have a binge-worthy podcast for you. Binge all the movies. Binge all the podcasts. It'll be a, a, a hoot nanny. Chuck full of hoot with a little bit of nanny. Um, you can find us collectively on social media at Take the Studios. You can find us on youtube.com slash Take the Studios so that you can see our gaming videos for charity and stuff. Uh, we have other podcasts you may be interested in. Wrestling reviews, uh, Netflix random movie reviews, and of course we have this going on, the Countdown to Infinity 
podcast, which, hey, feel free to share with your nerdy friends if you guys are going to be watching the movies anyway. Maybe you want to hear some opinions that you truly hate or kind of like, and maybe you just want someone to run down the list of just random behind-the-scenes information and connections to the MCU. That's all stuff we're trying to achieve here. Of course, you can find me on social media at SYCO1316. You can find me at JokerHaHaHa79. And we will see you next week with Episode 6, The Avengers. Goodbye.